Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you're the reason we're here. You're the reason that we lift our hands. You're the reason we say yes. Jesus, we thank you that, that, that we get the opportunity to even do this. So Holy Spirit, I just submit myself right now to you and I say, God, let the words that come out of my mouth be from heaven, God. May I not be worried about pleasing man, but I, I'm worried about pleasing you, Jesus. And Lord, if you ask me to be silent, may I be silent and bold enough to do so. And if you ask me to speak and prophesy, Lord, I'll be obedient, but my call is to be obedient above all things. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you continually in this place. Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Just give Jesus a round of applause. Come on. I, Jesus, this is for you. That's for you, Jesus. Jesus, this is for you. I just want to honor Pastor Brent and Jen, and I just want to say I love them dearly. I thank them for their hearts here. Um, uh, the leadership here, thank you guys for your hearts and you're continually going through this. I, and I, I also just want to take an opportunity and thank you, Bobby D, for being here. We're on day 15. 15, am I right? 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, day 69, Bobby. Um, uh, I love what God is doing. If, and I'm, I, we're going to plug this over and over again because this is what I heard this morning. And Bobby came and shared this to me as somebody said this. You just have to be here. I can't explain what's going on to you because it's Jesus. You're like, well, I'm here right now. I'm good. But come tonight and just Jesus. Come tomorrow, just Jesus. Come Tuesday, I'm telling you, you just have to come. And nobody else is gonna be able to explain it to you because here's the purpose. What you find out here, my hope and my desire through this birthing is you're gonna begin to see it at your home. <laughs> Where's the amens? What, what we feel here that I can't explain, I wanna see it in our homes and I wanna see it in our schools and our work and I wanna to begin to see this thing begin to rise up and what is this thing, the one thing? The one thing. This year we've been talking about, what's our word this year, last week? Well, Jesus is always the word, but they're, they're, <laughs> I love it. Church answers. Jesus. Last week he talked about this this idea of what being what available. There is this idea, this 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 groaning of this thing being available that that God has been placing in our hearts, and and I'm telling you, it jumps off where we left off with pursuit last year, but today I want to jump right into where Brent left off last week. And if you don't, if you need me to remind you a little bit, why are you running? Why are you running? And, and I'll tell you what, I deal with this all the time. And the reason I'm jumping off here is because the why are you running, the why are you doing so much, those things happen because of an underlying issue that we face in the church, especially the Church of America. And I, and I want to say this in, 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 in love and, and, and to you, and vulnerability is, is, I don't understand, but I've talked to 
Pastor Brent, I've talked to my friends. Uh, 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 as a shout out to him because he hates it. Pastor Mike Warden. Uh, I've talked to so many people uh, that, that there is this unsettling this, this uneasiness, this, this, this thing that is like this groaning of, man, what am I missing? Yeah, yeah. And, and then this, this, this almost tug of war, this, this thing, and, and it's not just the last couple of months. It's been like years I don't know if anybody else knows, you know, like, I, I love, you know, I love the prophetic and I love the prophecies, and, but I don't know about anybody else, but every time we get to the end of the year, it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Um, 2018, man, it was such a hard year. 27, man, that was such a hard year. There was a lot of, 26, man, that was such a hard year. And there's this thing in me that's like, God, what is this unsettlingness? And I felt that as I was watching some things during the New Year's, this, this, Silently spoke and said, God sometimes has to allow us to get stuck so we stop doing it in our own strength. Sometimes we have to get stuck. And God allows us to get stuck and unsettled and, 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 and uneasy so we stop trying to do it in our own strength. Or Maybe the grace of God is so merciful that he allows us to get stuck because maybe we're going in the wrong direction. And I thought it important to begin to talk about this first step of availability and how we get there, at least to the revelation that God has been putting on our hearts. I will lay this quickly because I want to get going on it, but I want you guys to hear, this isn't something I haven't preached before, but it's something that I'm wrestling with over again. I think I've even talked about this here, but I want you guys to wrestle with me this morning, and I want to put this up, Revelations 2, uh, verses starting in verse 1. Let me tell you a little bit as I get in here. Every time I went to go and I started talking about this and writing my message, uh, it started last week and in more, Brent gets up and he just reads the scriptures that I'm going to read last week, not in his message, but afterwards. He gets up and, and during a leadership and he begins to talk about what I'm, what I'm going to talk about. Then my wife has a vision of what I'm going to talk about and she doesn't even know it. And then other people have been talking to me and I'm like, okay, I am getting it. And, and then it's like the overall kingdom, you know, I'm hearing this out in so many different places across the country and it's the same thing. This, this, this idea of, man, we're stuck. We don't know what's going on. Holy Spirit, we need you. And there's this key word that I'll use, and you'll hear me say it. And, and I didn't coin it, nor did the Holy Spirit drop it in me. It's been, it, there's so many people saying it, but this is word reset. I'm going to be using this word a lot today because I believe there's a resetting that God is doing so that we can move forward. Um, I'll go there in a minute. Revelations 2, verse 1, and I want to just start here. This is a common scripture in the book of Revelation. Uh, John, the beloved, the apostle John, he's on the island of Patmos, and, 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 and Jesus shows up. And if you remember right before this scripture, the angel of the Lord shows up, and, and, and John falls, as the scripture says, like dead. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm ready for the presence of God to be so thick that when you walk in the room, you just tumble over like dead because you cannot stand in the... All right. Verse 1, he said, write the following messenger of the congregation in Ephesus. For these are the words, the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And, and it says this, I know all that you have done for me. 
You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. Also know how, I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, yet you, not, you have not become discouraged. Now let me just lay this down. Many scholars believe that the city of Ephesus had one of the greatest revival that's recorded in the Bible, greater than Jerusalem. The biggest revival recorded in scripture. These are the people that when, when, when Jesus, and I'll talk in millennial language, when the Jesus bomb dropped in Ephesus, it was huge. And, and people and healings and, and miracles and the, and the signs and wonders. And, 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 and it was, as Bobby says, just Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, time goes on, 30 years and 40 years. And this is Jesus says, I'm, I'm really proud of you guys. You, you guys have persevered and, 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 and you guys do not tolerate evil. And, 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 and you even are able to, to snuff out the falseness of people who claim certain things that aren't true. And he says, I'm so proud of you that, that you've endured bravely trials and persecutions and, 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 and you haven't got discouraged. He says, you've done the things, you've, you've done the work, you've pushed through, you, you've toiled the ground, and you haven't given up, and you've done it with a joyful heart. But, can you say but? I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen Repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. Although to your credit you despise the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise, the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now to all the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will give access to feast on the fruit of the tree of life, which is found in the paradise of God. Amen. But I have this against you. And if you were wondering why my what I was saying didn't match up. I read that from the Passion Translation. Uh, he says, but I have this against you, that, that you have left that first love, that thing that caused the revival, that thing that caused the Jesus bomb, that thing that began to cause the miracles. You decided to, that 30, 40 years have gone by, you're like, man, I know that, so I'm just gonna skip this step, and I'm gonna toil, and I'm gonna fight, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing, and, 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 and Jesus is like, You forgot the first love. Not only did he say that, but he used such extreme language that it said this. He said, remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Do the love that you did at first. Because if not, I will come to remove that lampstand of influence from you. Can I tell you that this thing, this, this uneasiness cannot be fixed by doing more. 
this, this unsettled, this thing cannot be done because we start a new program of outreach. Or we start a, a, a youth group or a men's group or, or another worship night. Get my oh man, please. He said, you forgot the thing that caused you to do this in the first place. We're so worried, and I say this, we're so worried about souls that we think we have to be the Jesus instead of allowing Jesus to be Jesus. Jesus is enough. I, Tim was joking with me, but no amount of cookies and water can replace Jesus. Maybe homemade cooking. I'm just kidding. There's nothing you can do that can replace Jesus in somebody else's life. We may be the vessel that God can use from time to time, but it's our responsibility to be in that place of obedience and available to him. When I take the responsibility of being Jesus all the time to somebody, I begin to form them in my image. I begin to make them look like me. And then what happens is, is I begin to love something other than Jesus. I begin to love me. I begin to love this microphone. I begin to love my ministry. I begin to love the things. And then I forget why I started this in the first place. See, we have, unfortunately, in America, we've been taught... We've been taught to worship results... Thus, God's love for us is always going to be based on the results we see. God must not be there because nobody's getting healed. God must not be there because the, all the chairs aren't filled. God must not be there because X. God must not be there because I've been praying for two weeks for my daughters to get healed and they're still running fevers. I must be in sin. There is this wicked thing that blinds us to that the results are as equal to the result maker. And we confuse the two. And so when we don't see what we think we should see, we think that we have to do something different. But the reality is it's the only thing which I'm going to get to. I'm going to get to here in a minute is he's only asked us to do one thing. Bobby, the one thing, the lifestyle of the one thing. Most of us, I heard this, and I just, it stirred in my spirit yesterday. A lot of us, including myself, so I'm gonna put Josh's name there. Josh wants to be a prophet more than a friend of God. Josh would rather his ministry be bigger than just a friend of God. Joshua would rather, would rather hear the accolades of his great revelations that God deposited to him and hear people say, whoa, than just a friend of God.
I need to write the next great book. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need, I need, I need, I need. And, and, and I lose this thing that was at first that friendship with God. There is always going to be a stuck stopping point when we begin to use God for our selfishness instead of dying to ourselves. See, it's so easy to use God for us. And I mean that in the ways of where the American society teaches us. I'm going to use God to make my business great, so I'm going to pray for it to be great. I'm going to use God to make my ministry great, and so every time I get something, I can just... I'm going to use God, I'm going to use God, I'm going to use these things, and I'm going to tell people how great I am because I know how to use God, and I know how to do this. But the problem that we find is that when the results don't line up, we're like, I don't know what to do anymore. I get lost, I, I, my faith begins to tremble, I, I begin to shake and waver when the things that, that I've heard, when, when it says that, you know, the fear of the, the, that the Lord hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, yet I'm still scared, I don't know how to, uh, because there's, I'm not doing something. And here's the trap, and I'm going to go through it quickly, because this is, the, and I sadly mean this, the introduction and I may not go that it's so important. Here's the trap of the church. I want to run through this real quick of what we see and why we get here. It's serving always will equal growing. You get plugged in immediately and start serving. And all of a sudden, a disillusionment will set in of who am I and what am I doing. And all of a sudden, then a crisis begins. And because your identity and purpose is found in your serving... Your control has to take over, and so the amount of your service provides the measure of the Father's love to you. How much you serve, how much you do, how much you, you witness to people, how much you, 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 you come to the church, how much you, you read your Bible, how much you pray, how much you do, how much you do, how much you do. It begins to say, if I don't do enough, the Father won't love me. So guilt and shame set in because doing and we're not doing enough. And then this is where it begins to get the hook, line, and sinker is that's when people-pleasing sets in. Hi. Why do I run? Because I want to please people. Josh, why do you run? Because I want to please people. I want to be looked at as important. Why do I run? And then what happens is the burnout, we get burned out, and we believe that following Jesus must mean burnout and lifeless, and all the pain and all the hurt of serving and people and serving and people, we get bitter and we get angry and we end up leaving. We end up forsaking people and we end up saying, I don't like people. Because we forgot the reason. And I'm telling you, I don't say these things because I think that I know best and that this was, I say these things because this is my life. This was me. This is, and, and if I know it's me, I know I can see this as the same thing as if you can serve enough and you can do enough, then Jesus will love you. And we can have the right language. 
We can say I'm a son or a daughter, but you'll always know it's there because you'll always be thinking about what's the next opportunity to serve. Brent, now. This morning, Brent's like, I'm going to share this thing I sent you in text message. And I'm like, nope, no, you're not. I said, because I'm going to have you do it during service. He's like, why do you do this? I want Brent to share this. He texted me, and, and he may not text me ever again after this, but it's okay. Oh, I was just sharing with Josh some of the things that God's been kind of revealing to me about this being available thing this weekend as we've been here praying. And, and uh, I got here Friday night, and people had been here all night. We had a meeting, and so I got here about 9 or 9.30. And I sat down. Our friends Ron and Denise are here from Camp Verde, and, and I sat down next to Ron, Sure, let's clap for Ron and Denise. Ron and Denise. Um, and uh, <laughs> anyways, you threw me off track. I was sitting there, and I was just talking to Ron. And uh, we weren't worshiping. We were just talking, catching up. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, I felt the presence of God so strongly. And, I'm, and like, I'm, I have this goofy smile on my face. And I'm like, Ron's going to think I'm a weirdo. Hold it together, Brent, all right? And, uh, and God was seeking. And I was, like, thinking, and I'm praying. I'm like, God, I... I'm not even worshiping. Like, I'm not even pressing in, and I believe in pressing in, okay? But in this moment, I feel like God was teaching me something that literally just sitting in his presence, I can receive from him. I don't have to, I don't have to work for it. I don't have to do anything. And then later on, you know, I'm, I, I learn slow, okay? So God has to teach me things multiple ways. So I'm sitting at the altar later on. I'm still just feeling his presence like, man, this is amazing. Also, my mind, my mind starts coming to today, and I'm like, man, how can I share this on Sunday? How can I use this to minister? What's God want to do with this? And I felt so strongly the Lord speak to my heart and say, can't you just be my son? Can't you just spend time with me without having to use it for ministry? I just want to be with you. And I, and so I immediately said, ouch, like that's offensive. You know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. But but he was just completely, just what Josh is talking about saying, I just want to be with you. That's the first thing. Like, I'll give you things to do because I, I, I know you want to be used and, I, and it's for me and I want to use that, but I don't want that to be your identity. I just want, I just want to know you. Man, I'm telling you, if you got anything, get that. Can't you just be my son? See, our identity is wrapped in our sonship Purpose and destiny is established outside of serving and ministry. Who I am, not what I do. I was created to love God and love others because relationship is the foundation of that intimacy. And ministry too and connection with Jesus is given priority over everything else because abiding means being in his place so we can be available to obey him. Abiding in Jesus will always lead to something you won't expect, but it will always lead to brokenness. And in the brokenness, that place of ultimate vulnerability towards God and people, the Father is more interested in you and what he, than what he can use you for. Let me say this one more time. God is more interested in you than what you can do. Amen. There's no other way to say this than there's nothing you can do on this earth that's going to make God love you more than what he already loves you now. What he's interested in is having a friendship with you. 
And if you can be a friend of God, if you can be a friend of the bridegroom, if you can be a friend, guess what? You can show others how to be a friend by just being a friend. And if people begin to see that friendship in your life without you having to do something extraordinary, they're going to begin, oh, this isn't just church anymore. But here's where it comes into it is in these places of stuck. And, 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 and I heard this <laughs> This last week, my wife wrote these notes down. I shared this with our E-teams two weeks ago. And it's this. If you become unable to stop, to celebrate the Lord, abide with the fellowship. If you are unable to cry, more, like, more than likely, you've built yourself up on what you can do. See, the kingdom of God moves at the speed, the speed of relationship. And relationships need time. It's not about doing, but being and abiding. So what? What does this look like? Jesus said in Revelations 2, you forgot the thing at first. What was that thing? This is what it's about. And and I'm going to use the notes from... uh, Give you, a, and I'm only touching on one of these because I really know I have to go. It's already 12. Bear with me, love me, have grace with me. But I believe this is so important. If anybody is familiar with the International House of Prayer to Kansas City and their conference of the one thing, these are the guys that I first heard the coin, the phrase, the reset, even though I began to hear it everywhere. God has begun something inside of his church to begin to reset us to this place of friendship with him. And they talked about what does this look like for their body, and I took it as, man, when I listened, it resonated so much in my spirit. And I'm just going to share the three things real quick in a list, but I'm only touching on one, so don't worry, that God talked to them about what they had to reset. And we're talking about a ministry that reaches millions of people. Millions. These people in Kansas City, they pray 24-7, Every day, without stopping. There is not a worship set that hasn't gone on, a prayer, a Bible reading, that hasn't happened for 20 years. And you're like, that would be awesome. Man, you walk in there, you should, there should be like healings, and there should be like, oh, that's where God... And they began to say this, ask the same questions. Well, where's the results? And for the last few years, they felt this uneasiness. And God began to say, and if you know anything about them, they put on a huge conference at the end of the year called The One Thing. And God told them this last year that this will be the last year you do The One Thing. Now, for an organization, and I'm going to tell you how hard this is, that would be like God coming to Brent and saying, Hey, Brent, I don't want you to take another offering the rest of this year. And any money you get in that box, I want you to just give it away. Oh, and you know all these chairs in your room? I just want you to give it to another church. Oh, and you know all the sound equipment? Yeah, get rid of that too. That's the depths of when God said, hey, don't do the one thing. That's how important and intertwined this thing was with this organization. And God spoke to the to Mike Bickle, these three things, and I'm just going to read them for you, and then I'm going to touch on the one that I have shared here before, but I'm going to share quickly again. The three things for the reset, and, and, and then they talked about was the first thing, the one thing. The Mary of Bethany, 
the true deep intimacy with the Father. The second thing was restoring of the family, the homecoming. <laughs> they will know you or mine by your love for one another. And the third thing was eternity and preaching the second coming and having a focus on that. Those second two, I'm not going to touch on today, and maybe there'll be a time I do, but I found it so interesting that when we went down our community groups level and we've done all these things, that God has been speaking these things, and he's been speaking these things over and over, and he's been speaking them, and it's like we get a little taste of it, and then we're like, cool, we're going to have a little bit of a series on it, and then we just put it in the cabinet for later on. And I believe God is wanting a reset, a, a putting back into place so it can move forward again into us at Encounter, into the leadership here, into the, the overall global kingdom of God, because there is some things that was, we just get so busy doing that we forget there's only two things that he said. He said, love me with your whole heart, and he said, love one another. And he said, everything that is wrapped up is in those two things. Let's go ahead and put up Luke 10. And I will move quickly. Please take notes, get the recording, and I'm just going to read. In verse 38 in Luke 10, it says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And the Lord said and answered to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which I will not take away from her. I will not take from her. Martha was distracted with much serving. The easy conclusion here would be to say, well, then serving must be bad. No. But what happened was this. The next part was this. And you've got to understand the language here is what puts it all into perspective. It said, Martha was distracted, distracted with much serving. What ends up happening wasn't what she was doing was wrong, what she was doing was right. Culturally acceptable, when you invite someone into your home, you get it ready. You prepare dinner. You clean. You do all these things. And I can tell you right now, Martha was not the only person in that room wondering why Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Culturally, Mary should have been up doing the same stuff. Mary should have. But Mary wasn't distracted in that moment. Martha said, she was distracted with much serving. And when she went to plea, and this is where we know we are right now, and this is how, because this is the same plea. Lord, do you not care that I spend all my hours here at Encounter and I serve on the E-teams? Do you not care that I, that I have just sown my life to you? Do you not care? Why is it so hard for me? Lord, do you not care about me? And automatically when she says, do you not care? 
Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? You begin to understand that when your heart isn't in that position where Mary's was, you will always question whether the Lord loves you by the things you're doing. You will always ask the question, do you not care? Do you not care? Tell her to get up and help me. Lord, send somebody to help take this pressure of life off of me so I can go on more family vacations. Do you not care? But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, here it is. You are anxious and troubled. The thing about when we push away Jesus and we try to do it in our own strength, it always leads to anxiousness and it always will lead to bitterness. We're good at that. We're good at that. Why? Because we deal with people. Look, when I say, look to somebody and tell them you love them, you're just doing it. <laughs> look to someone and tell them you love them. I love you for two hours on Sundays. Because if I go a little bit further, I'm probably going to get hurt at some point because you're going to say something that's going to upset me and you're going to say something that I may not agree with and then I'm going to have to put my shields down. And the vulnerability, I'd hate that word and so I can never be vulnerable with them and and. Good Lord, try to be vulnerable with God. He can see everything. And I become anxious and troubled. I become anxious and I become troubled. I become anxious. I become troubled. But the Lord said this to her. You become troubled about many things, but one thing. I, I don't know about anybody else, but the scripture is a big book. And there are a lot of things in there. And I, I try to wrestle with the Ten Commandments and he goes and says, there's only one thing that's necessary. He didn't just say there's one thing that's good. He said one thing is necessary. This word of this is essential. There is only one thing that I need from you. There is only one thing that is more important than everything else. And Mary has chosen. What did Mary chose? You know why he used that word, that phraseology of one thing? is because if they grew up in their Hebrew culture, they would understand where it tied back to. And that was in Psalms 27 when David cried and he said, This one thing have I asked of the Lord, that one thing will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire of his presence in his temple. The one thing. He said, this one thing is necessary. What? To sit at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> to sit at the feet of Jesus. There is nothing else that is needed or required of your life than to sit at the feet of Jesus. I, I'm telling you the thing the church lost is sitting at the feet of Jesus because it's weird, because it's not efficient enough, because it doesn't grow churches big enough, quickly enough, because it doesn't cause the revivals that we think it should look like, and because it doesn't do what we want, we stop sitting at the feet of Jesus because we don't think it causes the results that we want, and then what happens is, is we get so disenchanted and uh, uh, we get so disassociated with it that we just substitute it with coming to church for two hours and say it's done the American church can never do what it's called to do until its primary function is to sit at the feet of Jesus 
all the things that we do are good things. Martha was doing good things. But because she wasn't doing it out of that place of at the feet of Jesus, because it wasn't birthed out of that first commandment of loving everything and giving everything, she began to become anxious and troubled and then questioned if he even cared. You know how you can avoid to find out if Jesus really loves you? Sit at his feet. Lay your head on his breast and just sit. Just sit. It sounds good. This same Mary, and you guys know the story, I've talked on this. This same Mary, Mary of Bethany, Jesus was sitting at the table, and again she found herself at the feet of Jesus. And she took her perfume worth a year's wages and she began to anoint his feet with this perfume. You know what begins to happen when we forget that our primary function is to sit at his feet? We stand next to him and condemn those who do. And we say that should have been used in serving. That should have been used in the serving. As Judas did when he told her, could we not have sold that and given the money to the poor? When understanding his own heart was he wanted that money for himself. Jesus said to Judas at that point, leave her alone. She has saved it for the time of my burial. You'll always have the poor. You'll always have opportunities to serve. You'll always have somebody to minister to. Listen, you will always have an opportunity to do more. You will. More responsibility, greater things, new promotions. In this life, it's a life of just whoosh. But he says, I, pulling back, he says, you won't always have me. And the question you have to ask yourself is, in my doing and in the things that I'm going, have I lost the presence of God in it at some point. And you're like, I don't even know what this guy is talking about. I'm just trying to figure out this Christian thing. This is it. If I was going to give an altar call and say that Jesus loves you with everything inside of you, I wouldn't be lying. But my response isn't to get plugged in and start serving. My response is to come and sit. Come and sit with me. Come and sit at the feet of Jesus because only his love can begin to transform lives. And I'm telling you, it's not just a catchphrase. It's the truth. There is not a prayer that I can pray that can change your life unless Jesus is in it. If he is not in it, if it's not centered around him, if he is not the primary reason, everything else is going to lead to this thing that we continually find ourselves feeling. I leave with this. The danger of this is sometimes because I talk a lot about this sacrificing our lives for Jesus and giving all and and everything. Our language becomes right, but we don't actually do it. We don't actually do it, but we can talk like we do it, and then we kind of trick ourselves into believing that we do it because we talk like, yes, sitting at the feet of Jesus, yes, 
sitting at the feet of Jesus, yes. And our weeks go by and we've listened to a little bit of worship music in our car and we may listen to a podcast or a sermon on, on you know, at break at lunch or something or, or, or and all of a sudden we, we find that the doing those things replaces the sitting at Jesus' feet thing. But we have the right language and we begin to substitute good things for the one thing needed. It's so easy to assume that we're doing it but I'm telling you, there's a reset that has to happen in our hearts that if we can focus on, and, and I'll put it this way, it is going to be hard. It is going to be uncomfortable. And I, and I put this because Bobby made a mention of it this morning to me as I was sitting back here talking about this birthing and, and how he didn't know Brent when Brent said it. I didn't even know if he said it, but the first 40 days and stuff. But, but he likened it to the first trimester and second trimester and third. The first trimester of pregnancy, and forgive me if I don't say all the right terminology, I didn't go through it, um, is very uncomfortable. You feel sick. You, 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 you just, you're questioning if I should have done this at all. That first trimester. And the second trimester comes and it's like, okay, I'm starting to feel this, but things are changing my emotions are changing. My body is changing. I, I, there's things changing. And the third trimester comes and, and I get into this place of, I don't know how much longer I can do this. It has to be birthed. And I'm telling you, we have to get to that place where we will give everything until that thing is birthed. Because if it doesn't birth, I cannot do this any longer. I cannot stay here any longer. This baby can't be in here any longer. I don't care what it takes. That's what I got, Bobby. If we can continue to go after this one thing that is necessary, Everything else lines up. So what are you talking about? The reset is dealing with the thing that we're going to deal with the rest of our lives, the greatest commandments, to love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. What ends up happening is sometimes when we forget the first commandment, we then try to do the second commandment, and we hate it. We hate it. But if we can get the one, the first commandment, the one thing, that, that very first thing right, if we can get that right, it will overflow into the second. It's just the natural cause because it's so much easier to love people when I don't love them in my own strength. When I see them broken because I'm broken, because God continues to show me that I'm broken. I'm finishing right here. I heard it kind of said this way, and it shook me. It's so easy to tell a minister that he's disqualified because of the sin in his life. Somebody comes, and they're in sexual immorality, and they're in this, and they're in that, and they're like, yeah, you're not qualified anymore because of your sin. And yet we never hear of anybody being not qualified to minister if they're not doing the first commandment. Oh. It's not okay that I 
don't do the first commandment. It's not okay that the one thing isn't necessary in my life. It's not okay that I can fill every other area with the busyness and the work and the serving and the doing and that I forget the first commandment. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. No one can do this for you. And you have to make this a priority in your own life over and over and over. And we have to ask the Lord to continually remind us if we begin to go on the narrow path a little bit this way and we forget the one thing that he'll pull our hearts back and have enough faith to say, man, he's going to pull me. It doesn't matter if I mess up here and I mess up there. But, but, but the thing is, if I... He continually pulls me back and reminds me, Holy Spirit, am I in line with you? Am I being obedient? Am I sitting at your feet? Am I pulling at you? What is it, God? If we can do that, I'm telling you, the birthing will happen. The things that we've asked for, they will happen. Why? Because our focus isn't on them. As long as our focus is on the results, we'll never get the results. Or we'll make them up. Stand with me. No one can do this for you. Every person in here is broken. Every person in here goes through things. Every person in here has made mistakes. Every person in here, wherever you're at on your journey, whether you know the Lord intimately, whether you're not even saved yet, no matter where you're at in this thing, all of us are at this reset point because it's the beginning of the beginning of the beginning where he says I am and meet with the I am he is the answer he is the solution I'm not asking for a powerful move of God I'm not asking Lord for 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 you to come down and 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 even cause revival to break out though they are good I'm asking you that you will mark us for decades that we can't leave this one thing Lord I'm asking that you mark us for our entire life that we'll know in your presence is not there may we need not be like the Samson who even didn't even know if the presence of the Lord left him Lord may we be so sensitive and aware of it God that we have to have your presence and sitting at your feet as the primary thing, Lord. Lord, you've continually put it on us, God, that without that being our focus, we will never be available to do anything anyways. So why try? Lord, put this burning inside the church here of encounter like never before. Lord, you've been crying. You've been hinting around it, God. May we just jump in. Being able to sacrifice all the things that are good for the one thing that is necessary. It's not coincidence, Lord, that you brought Bobby D here. It's not coincidence, Lord, that you've been showing up in your presence during times when there's only one or two people here. Jesus, just tarry with me here. Just tarry with me for a second. Holy Spirit, Put that groaning inside of us that we can cry once again. Lord, that we're not satisfied. Lord, put that groaning inside of us that we can celebrate you and the excitement that it was at the beginning once again, God. Lord, put it inside of us, Lord. Lord, we cannot do, we do not have the answer. Only you, Holy Spirit, breaking through is the answer. We need you, Holy Spirit. Brent, come up here. 
We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. We can't do, we don't have the answers. All we know is there's only one thing necessary. And may we be bold enough and humble enough to take that road. Father, we just acknowledge, Lord, that that we've at times, Lord, we've decided that we need to run and we need to do these things for you, Lord, and we need to work these things out. And Lord, we use this as an excuse, Lord, to not spend time with you, Father. But I pray for every person, Lord, who's tasted of you, Lord Jesus, but they've been running. God, I pray a rest right now in this place in Jesus' name. I pray for your Holy Spirit to come and hover over every person in this place, Jesus. Because there's an awakening taking place in this church. There's an awakening taking place in every life, Lord, and I just declare it over this city, that there's an awakening taking place, that there is power in the name of Jesus. There's, there's not power in serving. There's power in the name of Jesus and in obedience to Jesus. And we just declare that we will be obedient, Lord, so the world will look at us and say, what in the world? Why are they so passionate? Why do they only want to spend time with Jesus, God? And I'm just declaring, Lord, that what, what has been distracting us and everything else has seemed important, everything else we are running for, God, we cast it aside and say, bring us Jesus and nothing else. Give us Jesus right now. Lord, we just declared that let heaven be come to earth and let it be on earth as it is in heaven, Lord Jesus. And we declare that, that you will revive us in this place in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. If you need a touch from God right now, I want you to quiet your soul, quiet your spirit. Don't ask for anything. Raise your hand and say, God, that's me. Holy Spirit, right now, we just say fire in the name of Jesus. Shut Nothing less than you, God. Nothing less than you, God. Awaken us, Lord. Awaken us, Lord. Whisper into hearts this morning, Jesus. Some of you are feeling an urgency to come up and worship. I want to ask you right now, come on up. Come up and just say, Jesus, I want to sit at your feet. Jesus, forgive me for what I've made it. I'll be the first to repent, Lord Jesus, and forgive me, Lord. This is your church. This is your ministry. These are, these are your people, God. I, I'm yours, Lord. I'm going to lay my life at your feet, Jesus. I want the one thing, Lord. I want the one thing. I don't care about anything else. If you tell me to go, I'll go. If you tell me to stop, I'll stop. I want the one thing. If that's the cry of your heart, come up now. Come up now. Just say, Jesus, right now. Father, we just declare breakthrough in every life this morning, God. Every hindrance, every distraction that the enemy's been using, Lord, over the lives in this church, God, to make it about something else, Lord, right now, we just say, Jesus, send your Holy Spirit, God. Revive us, Lord. Revive us, Lord. The one thing we've been missing is you, and right now, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your strength. Your eyes go to and fro about the earth looking for someone to show yourself mighty to. Right now, Jesus, right now, God, you're welcome in this place. Lord, you're so worthy, you're so worthy, you're so worthy. There's no one like you, Jesus.
God, you're the answer to every need in this room. You're the answer to every need in this world, Lord Jesus. And we just declare, God, that we put you in your rightful place this morning. We exalt you to the highest place, Jesus. This is it. That's it. I, uh, we love you guys. We're going to continue. If you want to continue up here at the altar, this is what we're here for. I also want to give this invitation as well. Derek here and a couple of our other prayers. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I don't ever want to remiss and ever not give an opportunity. We'll have people come up here, come over in this area. We will have people come pray with you and talk about what I even just spoke on and walk with this journey with you and come pray with you right here. Um, if you're a first time here, please fill out something at the Welcome Center so we can pray with you, connect with you. Um, but this is it. This is what we're about. We want to just love Jesus and sit at his feet and listen to what he's saying, and be obedient to that. And may we be nothing more than that. God, we surrender ourselves to you, Jesus, in that. Lord, may we be those that will take up that cry and that call. Lord, however long it takes for us to get it, however long it takes, Lord, a lifetime. Lord, may we be willing to just continue to push, to sit at your feet and to hear what you're saying. Lord, thank you. We love you guys.